In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This is the second Sunday of Easter. Easter is a week of weeks. It is 49 days long, 7 times 7. The 50th day we call Pentecost. That's uh, uh, the word for uh, 50, pente. And so we have 49 days in which to celebrate the resurrection. So that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to be celebrating for 49 days. We're going to be feasting with discipline and with focus. And we're going to be reflecting upon the resurrection. We're reflecting upon what it means that Jesus rose from the dead and that he promises that we too will share in that resurrection. We get a good understanding or a better understanding than we had when he appears again to the disciples on the eighth day. We read that he comes into that upper room. We'd already seen that this resurrected body is able to free itself from the bonds of the burial cloths that had been wrapped on him. We see that this resurrected body is able to go through the stone of the hewn tomb, uh, that he's able to, to remove himself from that tomb. We understand that it's not recognizable the way that a normal body is recognizable. You remember that the myrrh-bearing women in the garden first think that he's the gardener. They don't recognize him until he speaks their names. And so this resurrected body is able to free itself of burden. It's uh, only recognized in naming or in this uh, kind of uh, compassionate connection. And then again we read that it's able to go through walls. He appears to them even though the doors are locked. Thomas's response is a very important one. Uh, Thomas has been uh, maligned for many centuries called Doubting Thomas, and uh, people have read many times his response to the other apostles, I won't believe, as if he is uh, putting a barrier between himself and belief, as if he's saying, I won't believe. Uh, instead, he is saying, uh, I can't believe until I have the experience that you've had. How can I believe until I've touched him, until I've I've physically put my hands in his side. And this is what we do so often, right? We say, Lord, I don't have the faith that I need. I, I can't do what it is that I think you want me to do. Uh, this is what it's going to take for me to have faith. I'm going to have to reach this high threshold. You're going to have to do some amazing thing. I'm going to have to have some great miracle in my life in order for me to progress. <coughs> Thomas sets this bar very high. And indeed, he doesn't need all of that. Uh, all he does is he sees the Lord. He doesn't actually touch the Lord. He just sees him. And then he declares Christ as God. He says, my Lord and my God. And so he, he's able to proclaim and worship and sacrifice to the Lord. This is what happens in belief. In belief, when there is faith... We have a response, and that first response has to be sacrifice. It has to be whatever it is that I thought I was going to do with my life, whatever, thought I, whatever I thought I was going to do with my time or my talent or my treasure is now devoted to the Lord. That's the first sacrifice that we make, is to say, not my way, not my plans, but God's way, God's plans. That's what we do when we worship. That's what we do when we sacrifice. And then what comes out of that, when we participate with the risen Lord, uh, we follow him in his ministry. And this is what he declares to them when he first appears. He says, as, as the Father sent me. That's a simile, right? If you remember that from school, like or as. So you're going to do as I have done. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Well, you thought they were afraid before, right? 
afraid of the Jews, forget about it. They should really be afraid now because we see what's happened to Jesus when he has done the ministry the Father has called him to do. When he's called people to repent, when he's called people to follow the truth, when he's called people to serve God, they've wanted to kill him for it. And the apostles too will suffer that same consequence. We know the the story of their lives. We know what happens to Christians who are obedient to God. They're persecuted. So he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm going to send you. So it starts with this acknowledging that they're not enough, this fear, this trembling before the Lord, this uh, faith, this understanding who God is, the response is sacrifice, saying, I'm not enough, and then being willing to participate in the Lord's ministry. This is the pattern that we go through in baptism. This is what we're calling the world to share in. We're calling our neighbors, our friends, our family to participate in this repentance, this baptism of the Lord. It requires, like in the story of Noah in Genesis, it requires the Lord to say, you're dirty and I want you to be clean, right? He's a good father. He says the world is dirty, it's fallen into sin, it's fallen into evil ways, I'm going to wash it. And so he opens the windows of heaven, he opens the doors of the deep, and he washes the whole world with that flood. He washes it clean. And as it's been washed in these uh, 40 days of of washing, uh, then Noah pokes his head out and he says, Is the Lord done? Is the Lord done everything that he's going to do? When's it time for me to respond, right? There's a a response that Noah knows he's going to have to have. This is true in faith, right? Thomas falls before him, the apostles follow him. No one knows that once the Lord is washed, he's going to have a response. And so he's watching. And this is what we're supposed to do. Once we're washed in the waters of baptism, we're supposed to be looking to see what's the Lord doing? Uh, What should my response be? And finally, he gets that, that last word when he sends out the dove and the dove comes back. Of course, we know who the dove is, right? The dove is the Holy Spirit. Right, And what does the dove bring back? The dove brings back the olive branch. And olive oil is essential for the anointing. Right, This is what we do in baptism. We wash away the sins in the water, and then we anoint the person with holy oil for the Holy Spirit to come into them. Those are the two major steps in baptism. Washing and the anointing with oil. And so both are present right here at the beginning of Genesis and Noah. The washing with water, the regeneration, and then the anointing with the oil and the Holy Spirit. And then of course Noah's response is, again, waiting until the Lord says, come out. And when they come out of the ark, then they sacrifice to God. It's the same response. It's saying, thank you to God. It's saying, not my ways, but your ways. And so Noah too follows from the beginning of time that response of sacrifice. It's, it's no secret uh, what the response in baptism is going to be. Uh, when the apostles uh, leave the upper room, it's not happy, clappy, everybody's great and happily ever after, right? Uh, they have tremendous trials. The same thing for Noah. Anybody that says that once you're baptized, your life is great and happy is lying or selling you something. This is not the Christian walk. The Christian walk is one of trials. That's what we're supposed to be expecting. We're supposed to be expecting the Lord has given me His grace in order to go through those difficult times of life. And that we're supposed to be enduring during that time. It's not that Christians don't experience the same trials that other people do. It's just that we respond differently. We respond with faith, hope, and love. We don't respond with despair and doom and gloom and we're all going to die. What are we going to do? We respond with hope. 
And this is what St. Peter is saying here in his uh, first letter. In chapter uh, 1, he is saying that uh, we have these trials and that our response is in that hope, knowing that we too have this resurrected body, that uh, we have this inheritance that he calls it, that it's an imperishable inheritance, that it's an undefiled and unfading inheritance, and that it's waiting for us in heaven, right? And so while it's waiting for us, we've got work to do here on earth. And that work is not alone, it's not in fear, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by His grace. And that we're supposed to be responding in faith. And of course that response is to uh, go and visit the sick, to go and visit those in prison, to proclaim release to the captives. We're supposed to be giving hope to those who have none. When we're talking to our friends and neighbors that are feeling helpless and hopeless, we're supposed to be reminding them of the promises of God. We're supposed to be responding in this with that faith, hope, and love. Why? Why do we do these things? Why would the apostles go and do that? Why would they follow him? Right? Well, we're going to take advice from you. You just got crucified. They have no choice. They have no choice. Why do they go? Because they have obedience and faith. They have obedience and faith, and that obedience and faith is a gift. The Lord has so declared His purpose for their lives that they can't even see another way. They can't see another life before them. Uh, St. Peter says, where else can we go? Where else can we go? So obedience and faith, that's why we go and we do that work that God has given us to do. Because we have hope, that's why we go. Because we have hope. Hope is this hunger and thirst for the things of God. It's this forward-thinking, forward-focused desire for God's plans. That's what hope is. Hope is in short supply in this world. Hopelessness is all around us. Despair is all around us. But in the power of the Spirit, we have hope. We have a picture of these things of God that we know that we want to participate in and move towards. And then finally we go... We respond to the Lord because we have love. And love demands that we sacrifice ourselves. Love demands that we give up what we want for our beloved, for that one that we love. The love that we have for God, the love that we have for our neighbor demands that we go and do those things of God, that we serve Him, and that we are sent the way that Christ is sent. That's why we go. We go because the Lord has given us a gift in the power of the Holy Spirit through baptism, faith, and hope, and love. And once those elements of grace are in our hearts, we have no choice but to respond with His peace and with His love. Amen.